You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to the Deliberative, your weekly podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, are Charles, Hale, and Jim. How's it going? It's going well, man. I can't believe we're actually back here once again to do a little deliberative, a little deliberating, and this time, (laughs) we don't have a guest to interview, and we don't have a big giant Lunar Charms preview to go through. It's just a normal episode of the deliberative, (laughs) and that's actually pretty good. I don't know how to be for one of those anymore. It feels like, it, honestly, it does feel like we, like it's been a long time since we've just like picked a topic and talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you guys didn't get the exigence preview? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, man. No, man. I've just been neck deep in this abyssals preview over here. What? <laughs> I want names. <laughs> no but yeah so so this is good and you know what we we normally do at the start of just about all of our episodes is we first take a look at the news so let's do that right now roll that news all right in the news this week onyx path has released a lunar charm preview for everybody over at their blog and there are some actually quite cool charms in the preview were you guys able to look over that you see anything really cool there i'll be honest i just skimmed it oh i see (laughs) i see one of those people are like i'm sorry i already have all of this (laughs) it wasn't that i've spent a lot of time reading through those charms and i was i thought oh is this a new thing like are they going to be new ones but from the ones i skimmed over it seemed just like they uh cherry right. picked some good ones so i was like oh, okay well i've already read those <laughs> like well some of these i definitely remember and then a couple of them i don't know if maybe you know if i was skimming too hard when i was just going over the preview document or or what but like when i read echo drinking awareness in the in the the preview i was actually like oh this is cool i missed this one and so uh this is one where the lunar shifts her vocal cords so that she can perceive the world through ultrasonic vibrations which is cool on its own but then it has this section down at the end where the protean section where it says in animal shapes with the echolocation merit the lunar instead doubles nine on all echolocation based roles including joint battle roles so what is that is that pretty much a bat and a dolphin I guess, yeah. So this is one of those merits that we submarine. talked about. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wild shape into, or not wild shape. I'm gonna shape shift into a submarine. That'd be pretty awesome. But uh, legendary size Russian nuclear sub. <laughs> but you know, this this is one of those merits, those animal merits that uh, that Eric Minton was talking about last week. And I just think that this is super cool. It just gets me so excited for this book, just to see all these neat new merits. Can't wait to start using them to make some hybrid body transformations and whatnot. And so now we know that one of them is called echolocation. And so that's very exciting to me. Jim, did you find any that were exciting? I didn't notice this one last time because it was, I think it's more in the, um, in the intelligence charm tree, which I think you looked at more in depth, but the, 
memory drinking method is really cool. If you like uh, take yes. someone's shape and then you can like, you know, drink their memories. So you have right. a better chance of impersonating that person. That was really good. Yeah, that is cool. And it, it, yeah, you have to take the tie in order to get those memories, which right. is pretty interesting because those memories come with like a, a cost almost, you know, well now I love this person that he loved or whatever, you know? So that, that's, that's just very interesting. I think there's just so much good narrative appeal to that. So I can't wait to, to start using some of these in the game, but that was very cool. I'm glad that they put those out, give everybody a little taste and uh, that sure got everybody on the internet talking. So that was really cool. Uh, other news this week, Onyx Path at Gen Con released their new brochure for the 2017 or 2018-2019 year, uh, publishing year or whatever you want to call it. And we had a two-page spread in there on Exalted, which is pretty cool. There's some there's some good stuff there. I don't know, you know, it, nothing I guess is what you would call new information but yeah i mean there's some cool stuff here that i found pretty interesting like in the section on the realm which of course we know the realm book's coming we know it has a section on the call we've already got that preview but it did it had an interesting line there where it talks about it says it also explores the many lands the realm holds the prefixtures and dominions of the blessed isle of course the threshold satrapies and the weird continent of the call where the dragon blood war openly with the armies of the lunar anathema. But it, it talks about the satrapies. And so I think that's pretty cool that the realm's going to have, I guess, kind of a lot of information about stuff that is normally in, you know, that was in previous editions in some of those other uh, direction books and whatnot. Right. So, you know, major satrapies of the realm, like maybe gray falls. Yeah. Gray falls and places like that i would think there'll be some cool stuff there that goes beyond just the blessed isle which i think is really cool and there was a line in the lunars fangs at the gate uh section where it talks about you know that it will encompass over 40 distinct locales and peoples you think wow that's pretty cool 40 that's neat but then it also says each surrounded by a constellation of neighboring locales and that's the line that really you know piqued my interest because uh, sometimes that's what I want. Like I, I know I've gone back looking in the South book from second edition at Jim, because I want to know what the peoples around Jim are like, because we're, we've, we're playing our wild shape game down there in that area. And it's, there's really nothing about that. It's just all about Jim. Or then you go look at something about the lap or you go look at something about Gyroscuro. but I want the surrounding area. So the fact that this thing talks about there being a constellation of neighboring locales for each of those 40 locations sounds pretty interesting to me so there's some neat stuff there and a neat piece of art nice dragon blooded girl there with the big long ponytail so some cool stuff in that brochure get it if you haven't gotten it already take a look at some of that stuff and then other news this week news for us for the deliberative is we launched this week wild shape episode one part two Whoop! <laughs> yeah and that was that was a labor let me tell you so <laughs> that was the one uh, that kept even... part one from coming out is yes as it long was as it did. just the fear just the fear <laughs> of that part two is what kept part one from coming out so but that's finally out and you know both pieces together make a whole story and so 
there you go. Take a look at those if you haven't already. They are on the Deliberative channel, as I'm sure everyone here already knows. So wherever you get the Deliberative, you will also see Wild Shape. It's going to stay like that for a little while. Then we're eventually going to give it its own podcast and move it over to a new stream. So that'll be cool. That'll be coming up here in the not-too-distant future. And Corey, don't forget our other big announcement that we have. Yes, that's right. This week, we Mm -hmm. are starting our new Patreon. And you can find that over at patreon.com slash thedeliberative. And our goal with this thing, just so you know, is to take all that we receive from this thing and put it directly back into the show to improve the technology, the equipment that we have, and also the the underlying server structure of our host to get give more bandwidth and all that kind of stuff. We just want to we want to take all the proceeds, put it back into this to be able to give you better and better content from the deliberative. <laughs> uh, we want to be able to provide more content and more often, and so we've already made some goals toward that that you can see if you go over there. We've also got some pretty cool uh, reward tiers set up where there's some pretty neat things that you can get a hold of. We will have more ideas, I'm sure, as we go forward. We just wanted to have something there to get us started. And so if you want to partner with us in our goal to make this game the most awesome game ever made, tabletop role-playing game, the most awesome tabletop role-playing game ever made, if you want to help get the word about Exalted out to the world, and you want to partner with us to do that, please head over to patreon.com slash the deliberative and you can do that. And we would love to have your assistance as we try to spread the glories of creation to those who need to hear it. So please consider partnering with us and we thank you for that. All right, guys. Well, how did your week in creation go this week? Anybody got any good stories for us? Why don't you go ahead, Jim? Well, Corey, as you know, we had a pre-planning session for oh, our yes. next episode of Wild Shape. Yeah, we did. And we are adding another cast member? Ooh, I don't know. That's yes. right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I don't know how permanent Titulating. or temporary it'll be, but we do have another cast member, a new person to Exalted. So, we are going right. forth and making disciples of this game like we should be. <laughs> Or is it the same person voicing two different characters? (laughs) Yeah, so Charles is referring to the fact that our new player sounds exactly like our other new player. We just we just discovered this ha- on this pre-planning session where we're like, wait a minute, who's talking right now? <laughs> and, and the new fellow Michael sounds exactly like the old new fellow Neil. One hundred percent. Like they could each unlock each other's biometric security, you know, that was based on voice. <laughs> on or I mean, voice. it's it's literally it's literally that close. Yeah. It's insane. And we're like, this, hmm, it this might actually, actually be a problem. Be a problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So cool stuff talked about there, right? I mean, we've got some neat stuff. Jim is actually going to be the storyteller for this episode. Is that right? Yeah, and you will actually get to be a player. So normally you don't get to be a player in a game. So, so. enjoy right. liking one character and hating all the other ones in comparison. <laughs> oh, don't get your character envy so soon there, Jax. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I think it's going to be fun. Can't wait. Can't wait to get into that. So very good. What about your week, 
Charles, how'd your week in creation uh, go? I had to play Pathfinder. <laughs> oh, was this a no, Pathfinder Yeah, week? I mean, you know, I don't mean to talk trash about Pathfinder. I actually like no. Pathfinder. And sure. there are some older adventure paths that I would like to play. But you got some memories gum, attached to just, some of those. It's not as much fun. We want to move into our feature discussion this week. And last week, I asked Eric Minton some questions that didn't make the final cut for that episode. So all of my questions had to deal with prehistory, the person and being of Gaia, who are the, uh, the, the various elemental dragons, what are their relations to Gaia, I asked all kinds of questions like this. And my reason for asking all these questions was to have Eric help me out, maybe tweaking the Sapphire Circle just a little bit to get it more in line with third edition and the direction that the devs are trying to go with all of that stuff in third edition. Did that happen, Corey? It did not. It did not. Ha- it, it didn't happen <laughs> in the fact that his answers did not give decisive direction one way or the other all right so this was sort of the way he answered all of the questions was well it's whatever is best for your table and i said well i think i made this up about you know the elemental dragons being third circle souls of guy and he said no no you absolutely didn't make that up i think that was a part of second and you know it's all up to you it's about what works at your table but his he kept saying that what he thought should be the focus of your games is the here and now yeah that the here and now is more important than ancient history when it comes to your game and i i know that that has an impact on newer players as they come in you know you don't have to explain to them the whole like you know go through like a five-hour course on the history and lore of Exalted and how all of these different things That's work That's a very together. abridged course. <laughs> yeah. Five, yeah only real. five hours. <laughs> only five hours, right, yeah. So, you know, it's like you just focus on like one little piece of creation, and, and he answered one of your questions like that last week, Charles, mm-hmm. too, when you asked about what should I focus on or whatnot. And he said, just focus on one, your little piece of creation. And I yeah. see the I see the benefit of that just right away because you could say to your new players who are coming in, all right, here's the setting. You're in this little, you know, wooded area, there's a city. You just you just explain the area and you don't have to say to your players, Well, let me tell you a story that begins in the hoary past yeah. of creation. When the the <laughs> blah 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 blah. You know, like you don't have to go into all that. You just say, Here's what the here's what the town is like, here's what's going on and you guys have been exalted by the god of the sun and now you have to make your mark upon the world short story right Right. let's go long story short that's what happens now let's go with the rest of the story that i have planned and you don't need to know all the prehistory yeah i mean it makes sense yeah it makes it makes perfect sense i think it's and and i think it's a very fair point but let me just ask it though let me ask this question (laughs) is that the case that the here and now is so important that ancient history really doesn't need to be no. discussed. No. All right, now why do you say no just right well, off the bat? So I'm trying to think of the game that I'm running and kind of the very, very foggy broad strokes that I have, you know, kind of in the pre-works in my mind. 
And some of that involves history. Like, you know, I asked Eric, how do you use previous incarnations of solars in your game? Because there's nothing, uh, there's nothing in the rule book that says, oh, it's always reliable and it's at will or it's only under extreme duress but it's always reliable right. or it's never reliable. You know, it's just, it's so vague that right. Um, I find that, <laughs> I don't know. I find it equal parts frustrating and relieving because the more that I sink into this idea that I can do and have to do things in Exalted for my own game. Right. I, like I want answers, but yeah. then he just reminds us, then just make them up. Like it doesn't <laughs> matter. Do you want? Right. I, do you want there to only be three hundred solar souls that escaped the Jade Prison? Okay, right. then do that. Do you ever care to talk about that? Then don't ever do it. It literally has no impact on right. the wild hunt storming into your character's town. Like right. Like what yeah. does it matter if Autothonia? exists in your reality or not when like they're being chased through the woods and streets of cities being hunted down like animals by dragon blooded right although here but here's what i would say yes the dragon blood wild hunt that's chasing you down is more important than whether or not autochthonia exists or whatever but why is the wild hunt chasing you down and i think that you know so all of these things that are going to happen in your game beg the question of what happened before right you know and so why why does wild hunt chase down anathema well it's at you know the players are going to want to know even if their characters don't know it's like well because the whole world calls you anathema you know that's what your player knows right but really what happened is you know the the sidereals helped the dragon blood and overthrow the solars back at the end of the first stage and and now, now they're trying to hunt down all the new solars that incarnate because you know they want to keep that control over everything like that is delving into the prehistory and to be fair the book does delve into that prehistory sure. right I but think i do think that I, I, go ahead i think it's more it's more like um and no offense to the people that commented these kinds of things on the board but i think it's to kind of get around the idea that you have to nitpick history right so well, yeah yeah uh, so it's less about like oh well it doesn't matter how many souls were in the jade prison because maybe that is important or all that trash what does matter is the exact number doesn't matter sure there were right. souls in the in the jade prison maybe the jade maybe you want the jade prison to be like in sunken in this uh like heavily defended volcano in your game like what does it matter if that's where it is and I right. know some purists would hear that and be like, no, the book says it's like at the bottom of the ocean. But I feel like Eric's whole right. point was like all of that history is completely mutable. Does it matter? Sure. But it doesn't matter in that it is the only history. Right. I don't know. Maybe yeah. That's kind of how I took it. But I, but I even look at something like that and I go, okay, that's fine. You know, that you have this, you know, that you, you want to, in, you want to, you want to encourage your players of the game to kind of take this and make it their own. Mm-hmm. Sure, I get that. Every game should do that, right? If you're playing Pathfinder and you want, 
you know, Avistan to be in the south and Garen to be in the north or whatever. I mean, fine, right? I mean, just mess it up. Mess around with these different things to, to fit your game better. But at the same time, some people just kind of like having the framework built for them. And in a game like Exalted, we have had a very stout framework built for us, one that actually really works well, right? I know that one of the things that I had uh, that I had said in the the Sapphire Circle that had been sort of criticized a little bit was that I said that Gaia's body is the the, the physical landmass, yeah. the Earth of creation, and people were like, "Well, no, that's not the case anymore. That was the case in previous editions. It's not the case now." But to that, I would say, yeah, but. When you look at the fact that Malpheus exists and it is the body of this king of the primordials, the, the, the city of Malpheus, the, the realm, the plane, whatever you want to call it, of Malpheus itself is formed from his body. His heart is in the sky as the sun and all of this kind of stuff. I'm like, there's a primordial whose body is this giant land, right? Or when you go to Autochthonia and it's like, this is Autochthon, like, he is the land, yeah. right? So there's two. So even if you're saying, okay, Gaia's body is no longer the earth, there's two primordials whose bodies equal landmass. And so Gaia is a primordial. We have a landmass. It just kind of makes sense for that one to also work the same way. So we've, so we've had all of this, this framework, this infrastructure built up for us in previous editions and whatnot that works and it, it tells a good story and you can use those story elements then as you're planning your game because everybody wants their game to sort of escalate into these cosmic you know sized whatnots right you know we want to find some way to fix the great curse or we want to storm malpheus and do so i don't you know like we want to use those details mm -hmm. so i get it that they can be mutable but i also kind of think that they need to be spelled out a little bit i don't i think that <laughs> unpopular opinion here i think you're wrong <laughs> um no i think that that's the popular opinion actually a lot of people have told me that i'm wrong really this I've, particular I get oh, the yeah. feeling that exalted fans who really take pride in knowing lore are with you they're like there needs to be we need to know what the actuality oh, is yeah yeah i think they want to know but they're also they 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 say Yes, but here's what we've been able to plumb and decipher and pull out of the devs on the forums and whatnot about third edition. And here's where it's different than that other stuff, right? And so that's where they take issue with me is I've kind of built what we did in the Sapphire Circle from, you know, some first edition, some second edition, some third edition. See, I think that's the way you should do it. You take the best because I asked Eric that very question. I said, hey, man, there is so much stinking lore in this game and yeah we played some second edition for a few years but i never really got into the lore aspect of it unfortunately but now that i'm fully invested in third edition you know do i need to know the lore of first edition do i need to know the lore of second like do those even count anymore and he basically right. said like they all count and they all don't count like it's just totally up to you this is kind of like the default Right. Like, this is what we came up with, and we think this is cool, but you can literally do whatever you want. I think you should just find the bits that you like the most, that you resonate with the most, and mix and match. Because your player, I guarantee, unless your players know as much as you, there is no way they can fact check you. There's just too much yeah. stuff to have to That's look true. through. Well, you know, and I, I personally, 
I am down for whatever the new edition says. Sure. If third edition says, you know, Malpheus doesn't exist anymore. Now it's this, right? Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to go, okay, now it's this. Even though Malpheus was probably my favorite part of the setting in second edition, that that direction book was my favorite one to read, even though it's all like creepy and weird and everything. <laughs> I still thought that it was just, that was the best read of all of the direction books was the Malpheus one. But uh, but if they said, no, that, that doesn't exist in, in third edition. Instead, every it's like the demons live in this underwater castle or whatever. You know, <laughs> I know this is like way off, you know, but, but I'm just saying, if they said that, I'd be like, okay, cool. That's what's going on in this edition. Let's do that right so i'm not at all trying to i'm not trying to steer away from anything new that's revealed as a part of third edition that differs from the first two if it differs i'm gonna go with whatever it is right but i just see that there because we're so early into third edition there's so many holes right that you've got to fill the holes with something yeah and i choose to fill the holes with what we know from second and first rather than what a dev said on a forum or something like that Hmm. So well, if and the one thing that I kind of forum isn't that newer information. It is, but it's not canon. I wouldn't call it canon yet. I mean, if that's my personal way it? of looking. Yeah, but it's not canon. It's not written. But they're the ones like directing the canon. I know, but here, case in point. All right, that was this Eric's comment that, was that if it's not in the book, what I say doesn't doesn't count. Yeah, he said he that when we talked that. to him. Okay, but but we this came up in a in a test fight we were doing this week on deepwild.com uh is we were we were having a test fight between the immaculate of air in the core antagonist chapter and a solar that i created you know just a charge in solar you know very beginning only has beginning character stuff and we're doing this fight between them and he uses this charm, Avenging Windstrike, which it's says different. It, double, it's different. it doubles eights on decisive attacks. And I was like, doubles eights on damage rolls for decisive attack? What kind of craziness is this? And then like, I went to the Dragonblooded book, the, the manuscript that we have, and I looked up Avenging Windstrike. No, it doesn't double eights. It doubles tens, just like a fire uh, elemental bolt does, right? It doubles tens on decisive damage. You're like, okay, that makes sense. And if you do, what is it, four or more damage or three or more damage, it knocks you back two range bands or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, this charm is actually quite good. Avenging Windstrike is good as written in the Dragonblooded manuscript, uh, but it is broken as written in the core <laughs> antagonist chapter, right? The Solars don't have charms that give them double eights on decisive damage. But this Dragonblooded does, and it's only an essence two charm in the antagonist chapter, and it's an essence three charm in the Dragonblooded book. So, like, there is a case where, you know, things have changed even in published material. Right. So, but when I you guess talk my about like, what a dev be... says on a forum, I'm like, you know, by the time this book hits, you know, That's by the fair. time, like, you know, the Infernals book hits and it details Malpheus or whatever, or what, like things are going to change. So I just, you know, canon is what's current in the books. Gotcha. To me. Hey, to I, me. I have a very quick, slightly off topic question. If, Ooh, if a charm this. says it doubles eights, does it double eights, nines, and tens? Yes. Yes, it does. Okay. So if yeah, a, it's like shorthand. So then if a charm says it doubles sixes, it doubles sixes through tens? Yes. Yeah, but, but, okay. I mean, that's a weird thing to say because six is not the target number. Right. I think I saw it in the uh, one of the sidereal uh, okay. things. I yeah, just because they can lower they can lower target. Right. Number. I just wasn't clear if that meant 
like only eights and i was like i don't know if that's really that much better like (laughs) it's it's that and above okay so that number and above that's that's what i thought it was i just wasn't really doubling eights is insane it's insane and so i searched i searched the entire solar charm set for anything that would double eights on decisive damage there isn't anything I'm like, what happened? What happened when they made this thing? When they made this dragon-blooded thing in the antagonist chapter? Like, who wrote that? Like, wow, that... Uh, that, we're gonna get some angry mail quickly. for this. <laughs> it's we gonna might, be we angry. I just, I gotta say, I love the new version of it a lot better. Well, so I'm I, I concede your point. If it's not in the book, and it's just said on the internet, even by a dev, I guess it does make sense to say, hey, man. If there is something that covers that in the book and the dev says something to override it on a forum, we're going to go with the book. I, I think that's a totally fair call to make. Right, right. And so and so that leaves me then. So since I'm kind of going, okay, well, I only care about, you know, canon. What's canon published in books? And a lot of this stuff isn't talked about. Therefore, I'm sticking with previous editions until I hear different. The one thing that I do kind of deviate on just a little bit from what has been published in third edition. Careful now. Is that third, third <laughs> edition calls, it, it talks about the enemies of the gods all the time. And previously we just called them primordials. And I still call them primordials. I do also call them enemies of the gods. But primordials. The, cor- the coral addresses just, them as Yozi and uh, Neverborn. Yeah, Yozi and Neverborn are their current incarnations after the the war, but it never uses the word primordial for them prior to the war. Because if it you name something, it has a form. So does the primordial have form? Aren't they well, like I mean, formless? They're just using they're the using enemies creation? of the gods as one big long noun, and they haven't given it a new shorthand. I like yeah. it. I like the shorthand of primordials. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with enemies of the gods. I just, I personally always gravitate back to primordials because if I'm talking about it's them It's a clunky now, thing to have to say when you could just say like demons or primordials or some like much right, shorter yeah. word. Yeah, I prefer the shorthand. So that's like really the only place I kind of differ and go, you know, in my own sort of headcanon or whatever. But who cares about all that, right? Because that's just personal preference. <laughs> so so <laughs> I think to bring it full circle... You can't right. just you can't just flat out say that you you shouldn't worry about history because the here and now is more important. It's does some part of history affect the here and now? And if it does, right. then you should focus on it. Otherwise, yeah, like you need to care about what your characters are doing here and now. Right. And I would say, how can the history not affect it some way, right? I mean, we're playing a game where, like, the unconquered sun breaks into your day and turns you into a demigod. And it's like, what just happened? Like, what? what is this? Who's this unconquered sun guy? I've never even heard of him. Why am I all of a sudden powerful? What does that mean? Right? So I think, like, history does big time interact with all of this. And then when you bring in, like, what you talked about, Charles, these whole, like, previous incarnations, past lives and whatnot... I mean, how can that not have some effect? I mean, history is intimately tied into the current game in Exalted. And in a way that it is not in something like Pathfinder. I mean, in Pathfinder, how often does the prehistory break into what you're currently doing? It only matters when you're playing like an adventure path, like one of their established adventure paths, when 
the history like foretells of something right so like right. when i ran the second darkness one there had been an event in the past that like kind of echoed what was happening now so right they were like oh well then we need to like go check that out because right. this is what happened last time so that i guess that's kind of what i meant it's but like, in in a in a Pathfinder adventure path like that though, I think you would be like the story itself as you're telling it is revealing the history to your players. Whereas yes. in Exalted, in Exalted you almost have to do a little bit of coaching to your players before the game actually begins to tell them these things these things are going on and that's why things have gotten to I will now. disagree with that. Okay. I think Feel free. you guys You're make Jim tag. <laughs> you guys make this a lot more complicated than it needs to be. Very very likely. But yes. if let's say for example, <laughs> you start someone off in the west on some island out in the middle of nowhere. Do they have any idea what a lunar is? They may not even have any idea what the realm is. They right. may view creation as the river god that they worship spit them out of his mouth. And that's okay. all your character knows. So if I had a mm. new player, I'm like, here, this is what you believe. And then one day the sun shines brightly on you and you have superpowers. That's all you know. You don't need to know anything else. <laughs> and I'll throw everything else at you. The problem is when people... When players have too much history, they don't realize what their character has no absolute idea of knowing. Like yeah. a solar walks up and a lunar walks up and they're like, hey, buddy, we're mates, right? It's like, how do you know that? How do you even know what this thing is? If you look at the core on page 62, it tells you how mortals... I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that was such an immediate response. Nope. <laughs> on, in the core rulebook, it says mortals pretty much categorize things as either gods or monsters. That's mm, the right. only way they look at the world. They don't say, oh, there's a sidereal coming down, or oh, look at that dragon-blooded. They're like... Because in the actual immaculate philosophy, dragon bloods, by definition, are gods. That is the top of the food chain. So if they are part of the realm, they think that those things are gods anyway. And that they have no Interesting. bearing on anything to do with those people. They, they don't call them dragon blooded. They call them gods. They're, they are the, yeah. they are the, crea the, the rulers of the, of the world. They yeah. really call them gods? I don't think so. That's the immaculate but, philosophy that the dragon blood is the top of the chain in in reincarnation, but but not gods, and they wouldn't accept like well, I don't know if they'd accept worship or whatnot. I kind of get the feeling that they wouldn't accept direct worship. I'm not saying like that. I'm saying the way yeah. a mortal will view them. Yeah. If you can I jump mean, they, forty feet in the air and throw fire out of your hands, to, in my mind, you're you're pretty much a god, you know, because I can't do that. You know, I right. got a fishing basket. And like three kids, and you're like knocking demons out of you, the sky. Let me ask you this question though. I mean, you because you talk about that with like when you have players and you sit down with players and they don't need to know all that stuff. When you sat down to introduce your children to the game, did you want to tell them anything about what's going on, or did you want to just introduce them with with absolutely no no upfront? overhead i got two different versions of that 
I gave this. <laughs> yeah, that's I true. gave the book to my son. He read it cover to cover. <clears throat> he knows everything in the game. Nerd. I told. <laughs> I told my daughter. She said, "Can I? Is there a way I could punch somebody and knock them through a building?" I said, "Yes." She said, "That's all I need to know." And that was it. <laughs> okay. So uh, she she doesn't care. She don't care about the lore, about the realm. Point me to something and let me punch in the face until it goes through a building. And right. that's what she wants to do. I, I will say I agree with Jim. There is a lot of merit in having a new group play a new game that they don't know about and not telling them anything about it. And I always end up telling them too much. Much, yeah. much to my chagrin. Like when I invited uh my dudes over to play delta green they didn't know what the crap delta green was and that was like the perfect <laughs> chance to tell them nothing and i right. couldn't not tell them stuff because i was so excited you know well i think right. it would be hilarious if you went to the city of jim and you tried to tell like the average guy that there's this town that is completely covered in ice about two thousand miles north he'd be like yeah right it's, just, it's hot yeah. all the time. That's He's all like, I've ever yeah, known. Right. That's all I've ever known. My north entire... wouldn't even get us to Paragon. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> what's around them is all that matters to most people to in most the game. People. And if you right. are a solar, you were once a mortal. Right. You were just a normal guy who got godlike powers. Or gal. Yeah. If you have a lunar that's <laughs> been alive since creation, then or since it was conceived yeah that lunar would know a lot about the world but right. it's not that big of a deal especially if because you're not going to be hopping from pole to pole you're going to be in one right. location so find right. out what works in that location and run with it if this if right. the realm exists like you're in a city that they, they would probably know what those people are and right. they would have some kind of idea of well, if you see something that doesn't look right, it's probably bad for you. You know, like like the crudes. Right. You like run in the cave every time you see something new. You know. Yeah. I think maybe <laughs> it's new. Don't eat that. It's new. Maybe it also depends on like uh, how how accelerated you want your game to start. You know, like so maybe for a brand new storyteller, brand new exalted group, brand new to exalted all around. Maybe it's really good to start that way. But, well, it's funny but maybe that most only people, then. most people make a solar, and of course, no one exalts on the Blessed Isle. They're always on the outskirts of creation, right. and as soon as they're exalted, they're like, "I'm going to go destroy the realm that I didn't know existed until I became a solar." All of a sudden, so right. yeah, it just seems like a weird. I mean, it's like they think that they're born with this innate knowledge that there's these other exalts they have to go extinguish from creation you know i it's don't like, think uh, five that... five minutes ago this guy was trying to catch his supper and now he has all this power so the cool thing would be attack his town and let him save his town and then hmm. meet up with some other solars right. or whatever Which and is, then go from I think, there i think most people do actually you know kind of go that direction i don't think most people just rush to the i've seen some stuff out over. there where it's like i know i know we're, in, we're taking yeah. on the mask of winners today like yeah with like yeah. two essence, that's what i read about so that's what i'm gonna do yeah, yeah with like four essence one solars we're, yeah, we're right. charging into the shadow land i think well, the I game's think that... just kind of written that way too it's like wow you're superman so 
these little things don't really matter anymore. It's kind yeah, of hard. It's hard to fight against that. Yeah. It is. I guess. So when it comes, we come back around full circle to this, like, should you do this? Should you do that? Should you, should you tell your players a lot about creation? Should you tell them just a little and let them discover it? I think that probably what's going to happen 90% of the time is that, and this happens in so many areas, not just role-playing games, but whatever won you to something is what you use to win others Mm -hmm. to that same thing. Right. And so like for me, what won me to exalted was the absolute awesomeness of the setting and the prehistory and just the way everything works. I love it when everything works like, like machinery, like cogs driving each other and exalted really has that. It's like, they thought it up from every angle. They covered all the bases. It works so well together. And when I try to make a new disciple of exalted, that's what I do is I, I start telling them the things that turned me on about the game because I want, I, I imagine them coming to the same appreciation of it that I did through the very same method that I did. And that's understandable. I I mean, I understand that, but to me, the love of the game was the fact that you took the handcuffs off of my character and I can grab demons by the throat the day I start playing because (laughs) when we played some of those other games, like, uh, Earth Dawn or Pathfinder. I used to always try to talk you li- into uh, letting Earth us Dawn. make fifth or sixth <laughs> level characters yeah. right out of the gate. I'm like, I want to start right. strong, and you're like, No, no, no. We got to start with level one guys. Yeah. And I'm Thanks, like, Thanks, Corey. <laughs> Corey <laughs> well, the I mean, Grind Reynolds. That's, well, I wanted a circle four. Um, what was a swashbuckler for Earth Dawn? I was like, I want to be circle four because. That's where I want to end up. So I want to start there. And like, no, no, you got to earn your way up there. No, no, no. So when Exalted came out, it was like, I can do all this stuff the day one. Day one. Well, (laughs) let's bring this back around then to prehistory and using prehistory in the game. So let me just ask this question maybe to uh, get us talking in a little bit different direction. What are some of the best ways to actually use the prehistory? of exalted in your games i would think that if you wanted to use some of the um what's the previous lives oh yeah the day you exalt like okay let's say okay he's a mortal he doesn't know anything but me as a storyteller i could say you feel you see in your mind's eye with the day you exalt like this mountaintop and you've seen this mountaintop your entire life and you know exactly where it is, and now you feel some kind of connection with it, like you've been there before. And then, right. boom, that starts you going, you know, okay, well, I'm going up there to see what's there. If I'm drawn so to it so so strongly, yeah, let's right. do you it. You know, one of, the, one of the things I did with uh, previous incarnations was when I introduced, when I had the confrontation between um, two of the solars and towering temper of the east who was a lunar because they you know two stayed back in town two went out exploring and they came across him i didn't want to just say like okay like you you guys at the table this is a lunar but your characters don't know that i wanted that to be a little unclear so what i had them do was once again since i didn't know if there was a right or wrong way to use incarnations i said okay if this is something that they would know in a previous incarnation, I'm going to have them roll their essence. And so they rolled 1d10, 
and right. one of them got a success and i was like you remember you have this like hazy memory from your past life of these other things that can also change shape you know and i sh- in, in retrospect i should have made it more specific like was it like a friend or your brother that could do this but um i i personally like the idea of rolling essence um because hmm. it kind of scales as your character grows in power right and you are becoming yeah, higher and higher connection yeah to more linked it's a pretty to cool house roll the right overall history of creation so it's like right. it's very unreliable at low levels when your character shouldn't know very much um right. but then Although it also you, gives you might an, be crossing just a little bit into the lore there into the what there the, the lore charm tree you might be crossing just a little bit and like stepping on some Maybe of the toes of those charms. We also don't use that charm tree at all, to be fair. Yeah. Like no one uses There's it at all. There's some good stuff all. in there. I, I know, really but no one, I don't think anyone has, like the sorcerer has lore, but it's because he's working towards uh, becoming an artifact creator uh, and yeah. less about using the lore charms. So, yeah, because some of those that where you get to like introduce a fact and all I that know, kind of stuff, it's those crazy. are really interesting. Yeah, but none of them have really expressed cool. interest in that. So, I, I don't know. Right. I feel but, like having them roll essence. I mean, it's one d ten. Like they're hardly yeah. ever going to succeed, anyways. Right. So. Yeah, but you know that that is cool. You know, using those previous incarnations, not just for not just for small things, but also like you know, if you look at some of the the fictional examples that we have, like the tale of the visiting flare comic that they did as a part of the third edition kickstarter and whatnot uh you take a look at like how some of that's used you know you're looking back you're seeing maybe scenes of the usurpation and you're just fighting off like as this oh, like so god cool. of melee <laughs> right you know th- this you're fighting off these like thousands of people and whatnot you know some of those images to tie you a little bit more strongly to the history of creation I think are actually pretty cool, pretty cool, and also can can uh, keep your ambitions pretty high too. So, like if you get a if you get a glimpse of some first age wonder, that then makes you think we could do this again. We lost this, but we were a big part of it. We could do it again, right? You know, because some of these huge sorceress workings and whatnot actually recreate some of what you know some of the wonder and whatnot that was a part of the first age and so you know just giving your players a taste of that through these previous incarnations not just like where'd i leave my sword you know <laughs> where where to, where to stash that that chakram you know but instead Honey, like have you seen what? my keys <laughs> right. wait a second <laughs> but like but actually like you know getting a glimpse of what things used to be like and and getting a copping a feel for what <laughs> how you were done wrong by you know your underlings your generals and whatnot mm. and and now getting a little bit of a nasty taste in your mouth towards the towards the dragon bloods i mean some of that stuff could be really cool and that that's going to tie in a lot to that prehistory well not not like real prehistory like so do you let the, the players create that or is that only something that storytellers do I, I, you know as, a, as a storyteller i've done I'm, it as his player <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, I think you do a little bit of both. Like, especially yeah. during character creation, you let the char- you let the player do a little bit of it. But during the game, I say storyteller drives it. Oh, yeah, definitely. S- storyteller decides when that happens. And you can look at a game like Baldur's Gate for a good example, too. You know, like every now and then when you slept, 
the uh, god of destruction or whatever ball ball would come to you and explain you know talk a little bit about you know the fact that you were his child oh spoiler alert dude (laughs) spoilers yeah but anyway (laughs) (laughs) oh poor jim he's like (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah i mean so i mean you can use some of that stuff as inspiration for how to do that but trickling some of that in maybe even trickling in some of like the war against the enemies of the gods slash primordials, whatever you want to call them. You can trickle in some of that stuff too. And, you know, remember when you went up against some, you know, world shaking, crazy thing, you know? So I think, I think all that could be good. I think also another way to introduce the prehistory and whatnot is through your solar and lunar mate stories. You know, if you decide to use that, if you decide to bring lunar mates into things, uh, they could be much older and have a much better, recollection of things that happened before and huh. maybe even access to documents that go even further back right so Ooh. that could be a cool way to bring some of that stuff in hang on let me, uh, let me take make some a lunar here. <laughs> i think i'm gonna make a lunar that totally rejects the solars thinks that views them as a failure yeah you can have that yeah and definitely. maybe maybe the reason being is because their mate is now an abyssal Hang yeah, on, maybe next that year, <laughs> the year after, you can tell that story. Nate <laughs> is now in abyssal. Period. Got it. Okay. I'm so I glad think my players way... don't listen to this at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, another another cool way to bring it in is you know, kind of helping people. I think uh, they could come to through through whatever adventuring and investigation and research and whatever they could come to an understanding that the immaculate philosophy is a bunch of lies you know and that because they know that it's a lie about them being anathema and you know because they just from experience you know their existential (laughs) beliefs and probably even a true dragon blood would question that too like i don't i don't feel like a god i'm not a god you know right like and maybe that would be something cool like questioning their own you know and where they where they that. yeah that's where they exactly stand in what the world. i'm doing in my game like that's one of the main driving factors in my game is that right one of the solars before he exalted which is why i was put to the death like started to put together like man this is kind of a ponzi scheme here you know and right. then having that uh dragon blood exalt right at the end of our last session you know there are several characters in the group one of them has a defining tie of hatred towards dragon bloods and now one of the people that they're supposed to protect is a dragon blood so <laughs> nice yeah so nice. it's like uh, do you just put him to the sword i mean that's kind of what your entire existence is for and literally your only reason for existing which is what i've unfortunately found out but i really <laughs> i personally really like that aspect of introducing yeah. prehistory yeah because if you dig into that you're gonna come to some of those questions like why did we eventually you know why did we originally start doing this who's behind all of this you know that's gonna lead you to some of those Yo questions it's gonna, <laughs> i don't think that's the answer but um <laughs> his but mama's the scarlet empress so another one that i um that i wanted to try to introduce but my severe lack of uh knowledge of lore comes in is confronting potential sidereal antagonists and okay you know i said in a very early episode that abyssals were the ones i was looking forward to the most 
Right. I think I was wrong because Ooh, I think I think the obvious answer is Siderials. Oh yes. Because from what little bit I know of them, and I have the first and second edition books, and I really want to read them, but I need to read the Dragonblood book first and third yeah. edition, is they are the actual enemy. Like I know, well, I know, like some yeah. are good, some are good. Yeah. But from my limited understanding, and some would say the others aren't bad. That they were trying to save creation with what they did. Yeah, that the bronze faction they were doing well, a good thing. Yeah, I mean that's that's the cool thing, right? Is that really any? It's just shades any of gray. Being, yeah, shades of gray. Everybody thinks they're the good guy. Yeah, right. Right. And that's that's true. Everybody thinks they're the good guy. You know, I mean, even even the really bad folks in our world, you know, the history of our world, they thought they were doing something good for their people, for whatever. You know, mm-hmm. like every. That's kind of, I know that's very postmodern, but I think that's one of like the actual good contributions of postmodernism to, you know, kind of everyday culture and thought is this idea that everybody thinks they're the good guy in their mind. Mm-hmm. And I th- and I think we need to keep that in mind when we talk about people who we think are like, you know, oh, these people are horrible. These people are, the, you know, like we, we have lots of those thoughts today. And I think we need to remember that people do think that they are the good guy and then and try to understand them from that perspective. And so even when you come to something like Abyssals, which seem straight up evil, <laughs> I mean, they they have motivations that are very human. And I loved how in, in like previous editions, uh, you know, like if the Abyssal did good things for a while, like they, they're the Death Lord that they serve could actually like inflict all kinds of horror and torture on them, you know. And so they essentially become like the bad guys in the movies that are doing the evil because their families are being held, you know, hostage or whatever. Oh, and they're so very good. reluctantly. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> <laughs> and how can you really fault somebody like that? Yeah, if I was put in that situation. Because they're committing uh, genocide. I know. But think <laughs> about it, though. We just want everybody to experience the same oblivion. Okay. Well, I think <laughs> I think that uh, Siderials, oh, man, I don't know, man. I just, I wish I knew more about them. I wish I had enough time to just read those books cover well to when cover you get them figured out week. let the rest of us know because they are like game breaking in some some ways and in that's ways, you know yeah. that's what i've heard about them non-stop is oh wait until you see sidereal martial arts and blah 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 and you like you can punch people outside of the space-time continuum and stuff that sounds like they are the ultimate threat whether they think they are doing well, good or not they seem like the ones that like yeah they wouldn't be able to go toe to toe with the solar because other than abyssals who really could you know mono mono a mono right but siderials are never letting you fight ideally on your terms and that's scary because they it's so easy for them to set stuff up like that and you wouldn't even know it yeah like you wouldn't there is no way you can know you're walking into a trap because they have literally rewoven fate to put you on that x at this time on this day so that you know y and z can happen to you right (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah they are very cool antagonists and of course bringing them into any game is going to introduce 
that element of prehistory and and whatnot because some of them were have they've been alive ever since right you and know, you can have really like get wiped out. sympathetic ones that you know right. if you want a sidereal to be your main antagonist you can bring one in and be like look bro this is what's about to happen you know and then that gives you a chance to do a little bit of exposition there yeah yeah you get to you get to teach your players a little bit more yeah. about the setting and the history because yeah. my players know nothing about sidereals i don't even think right. they know that word right exactly and another way you know kind of related to that that you could bring in information through antagonists or just npcs or whatnot is through spirit courts and any other sort of spiritual matters dealing with beings who've been around for a long time like the gods and the you know like the god of this mountain or the you know whatever he he had he didn't die he's been here this whole time he's got a memory right she's got a memory like these beings have been around they know things and to them that's life and so they're gonna you know they very well may do some exposition on their own and explain some of these things to characters so i think there's just i think there's tons and tons of ways to tie the prehistory into your game and i think that's why it matters quite a bit but what would be some benefits of leaving it out of your game if you did that? Oh, or, or let's just say severely limiting the exposure to it. Accessibility. accessibility. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like when you play Pathfinder, you don't even have to know that the planet's named Galarian to play. Like, that literally yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, I think I played when... three or four years before anybody even told me that. Yeah. Like, right, right. It, it just doesn't matter because it it doesn't matter you know like hey i just right. want to be a dude with a sword that goes and kills bad guys that are threatening my town cool here we go right buckle up okay if you don't worry about what happened before then you can make your characters more important like if you if you right. say it doesn't matter what happened in the past it doesn't matter that this place has an in-book legend to it right um right. I'm just going to let you completely make of it what you will. Like, for instance, if you have a solar and he, you know, he just doesn't know anything about the the Scarlet Dynasty or the realm or anything like that. He just focuses on his portion of creation. And later on, as a storyteller and as your players develop more history and knowledge you're like oh i was reading this the other night and this would be kind of cool to kind of go this direction you could start steering those characters in that direction because i'll tell you honestly right. when we started playing dragon blood second edition uh for the yeah. first time i had no clue what i was doing i we made a character boat, dude <laughs> i made a, a a wood aspect character and for some reason i thought that i was limited to only the wood charms <laughs> so right. when i made this character and then i was like here Corey, here's my character and he's like what the heck's wrong with this guy and i'm like <laughs> oh i can take those other charms yeah you can take melee like oh i thought i was just stuck with archery because that was on my list so right. Um, I think as the players progress, you can start steering their characters in ways where you could start introducing some of that new material. Like, hey, yeah. the, the Lunar's book came out. Like, hey, we want to see a Lunar in our game. Okay, maybe you will. And maybe a new character comes in as a Lunar. And right. he kind of has to explain himself to the other characters. Like, say they're Solars. They don't have no right. idea what a Lunar is. Or if you wanted to use one of those pre-incarnation plot hooks, maybe you could say, okay, you and this new guy, y'all were mates at one time. 
Um, so you feel kind of drawn toward each other, uh, like like a really like man. I have, don't I know you? Like aren't? It feels like I've known you my entire life. You know, like yeah, you do. Um, right. Or just something because it's like, hey guys, I'm a lunar. Oh great, we're four solars. Oh let's go venturing together and let's go kill the Scarlet Dynasty. You know, like no no right. no, no no. Let's not do that. You so know. you're just saying that as as new things come out, players get interested, then you can bring them in at that point. Yeah, exactly. And don't feel yeah. like you gotta like eat the entire sandwich in one sitting. <laughs> and really, that's what I think. That's what all of us are doing right now with third edition because none of us are really introducing siderials or abyssals or liminals or whatever into our games, our personal games. I'll, right, I'll tell you what, second edition <laughs> was overwhelming yes. with, because when we were introduced, there was so much material. Well, you and, guys kind of came in toward well, the end. Well, there, yeah, there we, wasn't well, anything new that came out when we started playing, right? Uh, nah. th- things were still coming out. Things were still uh, coming out. Like the Alchemicals book came out after we had started playing and whatnot. But, uh, but see, you were into it for a while before we got into it. Oh, so you yeah, were like yeah. four books in and you're like throwing all this stuff out. And I'm just like, well, whatever. Uh, but now with third edition, literally there is one book. If you are not <laughs> yeah. part of the Kickstarter, there is one book. Too, if you got arms of the chosen but well yeah if you got arms, i'm, I'm, just, I'm saying splat book i'm saying yeah, splat yeah, book um, so there's one book so yeah all you got to do is tell your players like you're a guy yeah. that was involved in something you needed help and right. something answered the call and now you are a superhuman like right. go watch one punch man or you know something like that go watch an asian right. cartoon where a guy punches something in the face and it vaporizes Split explodes <laughs> right yeah <laughs> and then that's all, right, all you good. need to know to get started it does it yeah. also does seem less overwhelming uh starting with third edition even going back and like trying to read some of the first and second edition stuff it doesn't make sense but knowing that i'm starting a game brand new mechanically speaking and then i can dip right. into the lore when i want yeah is makes it makes it less overwhelming it really going, does. i've got all of this choice yeah it really although does. at some point hopefully we will be back to that place where it's overwhelming to new players Whoop. <laughs> 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 yeah yeah all right well good well hopefully that that kind of helps tie in some stuff for folks you know just thinking about how to use all of this backstory all of this framework of how the world works, the setting and everything, and maybe, you know, how, how you make choices for your game. Uh, we essentially answered this very similarly to the way Eric Minton did. Which, which is, is by not answering best. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whatever works best for yeah. you. Yeah, Either but, I mean, do it or don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> there is no try. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so that, that, I mean, that's kind of where you have to end up there, but... Remember to remember to use it or not as you want. No, no, that's not how I'm gonna say that. <laughs> I, I think that's funny, honestly. Like, yeah, let, so like, totally use it or like maybe not or do, but don't. Whatever. Also, yeah. just don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Jim, I believe you have a story seed for us this week. Is that right? Yes, I do, Corey. The name of my seed is a wild accord. Ooh. So here it is. An anathema who came from the lineage of fine dragon-blooded stock, exalted on the Blessed Isle and escaped with the help of a childhood friend. The anathema's father organized a most unusual wild hunt to bring back his child alive. 
The yeah. father formed a secret sworn kinship made up of those he most trusted with this mission. None of them knew the true reason why he wanted his offspring returned alive. They just followed the command. Some of the kinship struggled with what would happen when they caught up to their prey. Would they help the anathema escape? Would they follow the order of the parent? Would they listen to the immaculate teachings and just put the enemy down? These questions weighed on the kinship as they hunted their old friend. They finally locate and corner the anathema in a wasteland that was once a glorious city. There is nowhere to run and no option but to fight. In the heat of the battle, the ground gives way, trapping the entire group underground in the lower levels of a long-forgotten first-age manse. Immediately, the group is under assault by a foe that does not discriminate between the two exalt types. The kinship and Solar must form a fragile alliance in order to survive and find their way back to the surface. Mm, very cool. Awesome. Yeah, I like this mixing up some dragon blooded hatred some anathema mm. oh yeah so yeah, yeah you mm, can play a lot with those things we were talking about earlier about who believes what in the immaculate philosophy right and yeah. uh definitely gonna you face know, those questions this this is what's tough is this guy grew up as one of them he was their friend that's right. why they were charged he's uh the parent was like yeah let's let's send his childhood friends after him they're least likely to kill him. To Maybe kill they, him, right. yeah, they will hold themselves and do what I ask. But then they're questioning, well, why does the father want him back? Is he loving and wants to like hide him and take care of him? Or does he want to like destroy him like in front of the rest of the other houses just to show how dedicated he is? You know, that, that weighs in their mind too. So. Right. Yeah, it could it could make for a really good story. You could have a player play the solar, or the storyteller plays the solar, and it could it could be real fun. That is cool. I dig it. Awesome, man. That's a good one. We're gonna put that one up on fivepoles.com. Should see that up there real shortly after this episode drops. So go take a look at that again, and uh, try using that for your game. That sounds like a really good setup. <laughs> Yeah. whatever's good for you at your table yeah <laughs> sorry i couldn't resist i'm sorry <laughs> we've got a light blinking on the message machine over here i was worried it was and... broken <laughs> <laughs> well yeah the, the, the phone line wasn't plugged in but we finally got it back in there and now all of a sudden the, the lights are blinking again so <laughs> we've got a message here we want to take a listen at so let me just go here and, and, and let me let me mash this button there here we go <laughs> Greetings and salutations from me, Bifford, to all epic storytellers listening to The Deliberative. My question is this. I know I have issues with this, and I've seen plenty of conversations on the net about it too. Getting the power levels right in Exalted can be a hard thing. What's the best way of rating from humans through to solars, lunars, sidereals, dragon-blooded and others? Does a ladder system work, or do you have a better idea? Also, is it worth comparing exalts to other systems to aid in getting the power levels right? For example, Dungeons & Dragons or Mutants and Masterminds. I look forward to hearing your answers, and everyone be epic! Hmm. <laughs> that is, you know, that's something that I really struggle with. Do you? Uh, yeah, big time. Um, no. How so? How are you struggling with this? 
okay, because I know we're trying not to talk about Pathfinder too much, but it's right. really the only thing I can compare it with here. In Pathfinder, I know that my party of four players at 13th level can kill a challenge rating 13 and 14 thing pretty easily. Right. 15, it's going to start coming down to like how the dice fall. 16, there's a chance, like a real high chance that they'd have to retreat. So it's... It, it, you almost can't even leave it for interpretation. It's like, look, this is how it's going to go. Yeah, and, you can dial it into exactly where you want. Right, and granted, dice can fall, you know, good or poor on either side of that number. But really, right. if it matches their level, it's a good fight and they will win, you know? Right. But here, that, here is the massive, massive difference between Pathfinder and... And exalted. Yeah, that doesn't exist in exalted. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And here's why. Here's why. Because in Pathfinder, as you go up in level, you have a hard bonus number that you add to your role that keeps going right. up. And so like a level 15 fighter's got plus 15 base attack bonus. And so when he rolls against something that has a 13 AC, he's going to hit it every single time. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't exist in Exalted. Right. In Exalted, your high power level or what's supposed to be a high power level solar fights against what's supposed to be a low level power, a low power level dragon blooded. And it all comes down to probability because even though the solar can roll 25 dice and the dragon blooded can roll 21 dice. The 21 dice of the dragon blooded can roll 19 successes, and the 25 dice of the solar can roll three three successes. You know, <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like an anecdote, happened. Corey. <laughs> yeah, sounds like maybe that's got under my skin just a little bit. So yes, I mean, clearly there there is a there is definitely a hierarchy of power that is meant to be there. While it does exist, solars are supposed to be at the top. Their charms allow them to add more dice than anybody else, and all that kind of stuff. So therefore, they they should be on average much more powerful than you know those at the bottom end of the ladder which would be like your terrestrial exalts your your dragon bloods maybe some of your liminals your exigence whatever you know that are down there at that level they are more powerful from just a purely you know looking at the charms looking at what's what's possible but i think that in reality the power levels are a little closer maybe than most people imagine Ooh, i don't agree at all you don't think no. so? This, so think this is are. how this is how I see it. Um, to put it in like Pathfinder challenge rating terms, for each dot of essence that a solar has, that's five levels. Just for instance, right? So an okay. essence an essence five solar is like a level twenty five character. I would say that lunars are four levels per essence, and sidereals two or three, and dragon bloods are one. So, yeah, except for the fact that if you have like, if you've got the lunar who's really more about like sweet talking, well, that's people, true with any character. Like it is, you yeah. can have a twentieth level bard go against a twentieth level fighter, and we both know who's going to win that fight. So, right, I, I'm just but that's because everything's very easy. I'm just talking However, rough power level. That's how I think it falls out. A twentieth level bard though is going to easily trounce a tenth level fighter. Right. 
I'm just saying that I think the scale is very uh, like dragon bloods are like uh, a one to one kind of deal. Solars are each essence is a humongous leap in power. I think lunars are just a little behind that, and sidereals arguably a little behind lunars. And but yeah, what I think makes the design philosophy has always been solars at the top, the rest of the celestial exalted in the middle, and the the terrestrial exalted at the bottom. Yeah. But when it comes down to actually interacting with one another, each one has different ways of edging out the others in various, mm-hmm. you know, in, in various stats and whatnot. Because, like, you know, you think about, like, a, a, a dragon blood who's using immaculate martial arts and has heirloom weapons and whatnot, you know? I mean, I, I can build, I can build an, an immaculate martial artist that can kill your Solar Dawn cast, you know? Like, if if you if you do it right you know if you know what you're building it for you can build one that can actually take that dude down not at essence know? one that's the that's the catch though i think that you have to well, keep it they in don't mind. start at essence one and it's a reason why they started essence two is to right. make them a little bit more uh, playable right so yeah, i think that's really whatnot. why dragon yeah, bloods compa- are scary. yeah that's what i meant competitive dragon bloods are scary because they can operate openly there are so many of them and they have a pretty big head start on solars yeah yeah i mean they went to all kinds of schooling and everything to learn Mm -hmm. how to fight and everything they have they have access to all this money that lets them you know have these amazing artifacts and whatnot and the fact that you can just the empire yeah it's someone who has gone to (laughs) school for art and taken private lessons and graduated with like a master's in art history and someone who just discovers they have raw natural talent for art yeah yeah i mean you know they they have their own sort of way of having a leg up and i mean like i said you build a you build a dragon blood the right way you know put him in articulated plate you know artifact articulated plate you know give him give him a bunch of charms in the in the earth immaculate you know the earth dragon style or whatever give him an enormous like four three or four dot tetsubo that's got all kinds of crazy uh evocations on it and that dude's gonna whoop your solar dawn cast with his you know four dot diclave or whatever just about any day that's true i mean unless but then sometimes the dice fall the other way i mean it's just (laughs) that happens and i mean we've seen this over and over again you know jim and i were doing a test combat where my roles were always 27 percent. i had a 27 percent or less success rate every time i rolled against him he had a 68 percent or higher success rate every time he rolled against me and it doesn't it doesn't matter if he was a dang heroic mortal he's probably gonna kill me right, right? you know <laughs> so it just happened i mean the dice <laughs> <Jim>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the dice, the dice roller loves me so yeah it does the dice have so <laughs> he much he didn't even impact. deny it he's like yeah no. it does. <laughs> oh man, I have like l- just ludicrously, legendarily bad luck with the dice roller. I just, I, it's, it's insane. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so, but th- because there is no bonus attached to much of this stuff, it's going to come down to what sort of dice tricks do you have to increase your successes and whatnot. And eventually, all of those dice trick charms are going to add up to being something similar to like the big base attack bonus that you have for like a Pathfinder character or whatnot. But, uh, but for the most part, you're, you're especially at starting level at, at, at character generation, like so many things are just in the hands of fate that I, 
probably sidereals would actually have uh, more of a more of a leg up by being able to reduce the target numbers for the successes. Yeah, I think a lot has to play in with the strategy that is used yes. too. Like yes, if absolutely. you if you have some charms that are low cost that can help you sustain for a while yeah. you can while the other bleed, guys going nuclear yeah, yeah you can bleed him completely out of essence and then yeah. you turn you know you're like rocky like getting punched in the Which face a million happens times r- like frighteningly fast by the way this whole arena test has been i guess shocking would be the word like we, it's, it's we, not we going it, how i would have thought we cranked it, it up to 11 on that i mean yeah. i've never spent that much essence in a game before <laughs> i mean yeah, for those i was finding those who don't abs- know what we're talking about <laughs> we've been doing some fight tests on our deepwild.com we set up a new forum called the arena and we've just been like you know having it out just going at it with different types of exalts i'm spending like three or four moats on this obscure charm that just lets (laughs) me get a little bit higher join battle so that you know (laughs) because i know if i go first and i draw first blood i'll be good but now i'm like well i just reset my initiative to three and he's about to hit me back and crash crash you yeah Yeah, there's a lot of strategy your initiative is going to rocket up to like eight or nine like right then so yeah yeah Yeah, wait until the right moment when they don't have enough essence to like pull off the defense charm so that you can finally get that decisive attack in like I've got 22 initiative. I can really pull off a nice uh, decisive attack, but he's going to be able to raise his defense to 10, and I'm not going to be able to hit that with my luck with the dice roller. Therefore, maybe I should just crash him again. Even though you were rolling bad, Corey, you were causing me to spend more moats because I was like, oh, i got to get this evasion up to 10. And then it's like three successes. Like, man, I could have saved all that. (laughs) (laughs) But you just don't know. You just don't know. But yeah, but anyway, I mean, I think that there there are clear delineations of, of power level. Of course, Solars have the supernal thing. They get to add the most motes anyway uh, with their excellencies and whatnot. Their charms give them tons of dice tricks. So clearly, they are at the highest level. They get solar sorcery and everything else. So, like, they, they get mastery with martial arts. They get their, what do you call it, resonant with every every yeah. type of, of yeah. material. Yeah. Like, they clearly are at the top of the food chain celestials have been clearly designed to be in the middle and terrestrials have been clearly designed to be at the bottom. We're just saying that when it comes to actual experience, your mileage may vary because so much is up to chance because there's no hard numbers being added to test for success. Every time you roll, you could botch or you could get more successes than dice you rolled like every single time. Yeah. And that's, Oh man, that's kind of frustrating for me because I wish there were an easier way for me to look at something and say, oh, that's going to be like on the challenge ratings nose, so to speak, right? Like this is going to be a good fight that won't be a pushover, but it's definitely not going to kill them uh, or probably even hurt them. But it's going to be like, oh man, that was like such a good fight and not over when the first person acts. And right. it's yeah. very rarely over when the first person acts. That is true. That is true. Yeah, but you, you know what I meant, really? Oh yeah, yeah. We had a we had a fight test. Unless you're playing over. second edition. 
Yeah. In second edition, you could punch somebody. I killed like three people in like the first round. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you can uh, still do that now. You just, just the storyteller's got to dial that in. Has I to used to just that. love the flurry and all that, and getting three attacks. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was fun. Well, all right. Well, Bifford, I don't know if that really went to the heart of what you were asking or not. We tried. We 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 like a bunny rabbit jumping all around that hole, but I, you know. <laughs> oh, man. I, think, I can't remember uh, what movie I, that from, but I do believe that was Willem Dafoe. But anyhow, well. That just about wraps it up for this week. So, guys, before we leave, where can folks find more of your stuff? Well, Corey, you can find me on the official Onyx Path forums as Lucky Chucky, uh, as well as on the DeepWild.com forums by the same username. I also run our Facebook page, The Deliberative Podcast, as well as our Twitter account, at DeliberativePod. And now you can find all of us on Patreon.com slash TheDeliberative. Awesome. Check that out. Nice. You can always find me at our website at fivepoles.com or reach me direct at my email, james.fivepoles at gmail.com. I go by the username Reform Ninja on the forums. All right. And for all game related things, as usual, I am Numa Pilot on the Onyx Path forums, on the deepwild.com forums. And if you have a question or issue that you'd like for us to discuss on the deliberative, please send your question to us at the deliberative podcast at gmail.com. And if at all possible, send us a recording of yourself asking the question or making the comment. Hey guys, I'd like to thank Koloff and Mr. Bilzy for leaving us reviews on iTunes. Uh, Thanks, we appre- guys. We appreciate the reviews for you iPhone listeners to give us reviews on iTunes. But a lot of our Android listeners are wondering where can they go to give us some reviews. So if you would please go to the Stitcher website, you can type in the deliberative on the search bar and go to the bottom and you can leave us a review there. And I will issue a challenge. (laughs) If we get 20 or more reviews, if you guys listen to episode eight, if you listen to the end there, (laughs) I struggle with pronouncing these crazy names that people put up. So... If we get 20 or more reviews on Stitcher, I will read every name to the best of my ability um, on on next week's podcast. So uh, if you want to have some fun and put some ridiculous names just to hear me fumble over them, I issue the challenge. Um, currently, right now, we have two reviews on stitcher and they were for two from two months ago see this is how out of touch we are with uh what's going on outside of our apple world that's right <laughs> and i would like to thank sorbaku and rain hunter for having very simple names and leaving <laughs> us a review so if you want to have some fun at my expense uh let's see what we can do about getting those stitcher reviews up I know I'm going to go leave one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks for listening to the deliberative podcast. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. See ya.